everyone welcome back to across the room verse it's steve and brandon here today jimmy unavailable didn't want to come back on after another defeat to cremonese he was adamant that he didn't want to talk about that match but we aren't talking about that match brandon because <laughs> i don't know what else can be said about another loss to cremonese plus with the the tuesday start i was the only one able to watch it thanks to a snow day here in new york i might have been better off at work but uh yeah it is what it is and, and here we are yeah i I don't know. I typically at least try to listen in the background when I can. And for that match, I didn't get to turn it on right away. And so when I checked the score and saw they were down one nothing, I was like, there's no way I'm subjecting myself to this. If they tie it up then, and then, you know, I, when they did tie it up, I, I turned it on only to see Rui Patricio do the dumbest of plays to concede the penalty and ultimately the winning goal to Cremonese. So, yeah, I don't blame Jimmy for skipping out on this one. Um, the less said about that match, the better, I think. <laughs> but the, but yeah. the drama surrounding Mourinho is great. It's <clears throat> it's kind of crazy, but... Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't think allegedly what he said was particularly damning. Uh, and Mourinho might have made a little bit of it, but he's also entitled to respect um, and especially for what he's done for the game. So I can, I can see his point of view as well, for sure. Um, but it's, it's crazy that this is just a lingering story. However, many days after the fact. Yeah. And, and, and did I read that the two people uh, associated with like the officiating committee were suspended after his comments or something too? the, the, the two gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that came down today, and Roma are filing an appeal to reduce Mourinho's suspension. Logic would say that if those refs were, you know, found guilty of wrongdoing and suspended accordingly, the suspension should be reduced. But yeah, uh, I guess we'll see. Yeah, for sure. So the loss dropped Roma to fifth in the table. Could have been up as high as second. Um, you know, on points, probably third on goal differential with a win and instead we're looking at outside of the top four. So we've had, we had a, a bunch of listener questions, some from Twitter, some from the message board. So for those of you that got them into us, we really uh, appreciate it. Um, and we'll start with one from AS Roma fan six on Twitter. And he actually um, has something to do with the, the Mourinho situation. He said, huge fan of Jose Mourinho, but these confrontations with the officials are not helpful. This last one was pretty bad. Do you feel Mourinho is starting to feel the pressure? I'm getting the feeling that if Roma doesn't finish top four, this project will, with Mourinho will come to an end. Yeah, I, I don't think he's feeling the pressure by any means. I mean, there's, there is pressure to qualify for the Champions League just for the long-term implications, but Mourinho has been there and done that um, so many times. I don't think this is really phasing him. I know it's obviously crucial to meet your objectives um but he's seen he's you know he's been there done all so he's not i don't think he's worried about um or you know feeling the effects of the pressure by any means i think he thinks an injustice was done last game and that's kind of why he freaked out on the officials in the way that he did and i think that's more or less the long and the short of it i think if that had happened and roma had come back i don't think we would be talking about the pressure that he might be under we would just be talking about you know, another classic Mourinho episode. 
Um, so it's it's really you know that 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 talk I feel like is dictated by the results and isn't particularly warranted. Yeah, I, I don't think he's feeling the pressure. He knows how to kind of play that game with the officials and with his comments. He's he's been known to do that. In terms of if it's the project done, if they don't qualify for top four, that that gets interesting. I think if maybe um you know maybe it's not going in the direction he wants, or maybe there's a more lucrative offer that comes in, maybe he goes. Um, it'll be interesting to see because I I think if they're top four and they're in Champions League, he's 100 percent here next year. I don't think right. the Freakins would fire Mourinho personally. I don't. I don't think they could. They could do that. Not just from a money standpoint. I think just from like a credibility standpoint. I don't. I don't think you can fire a guy like him at this point in Roma's. You know, um, history I mean, where, I, where we are. I think the discourse on that would be. Uh, look at Mourinho, failing another job yet again, and then you know there there would be a, a voice that is saying, "Roma, you're so dumb. Why would you ever fire Mourinho? Look at how much he's done. Look how much you." haven't done um in your history why would you ever fire a manager like that i think you know both you know there's validity to both sides i suppose but um yeah it's i going i don't know going tying tying into the last question i think that the team and uh pinto and you know by extension the freedkin should be feeling the pressure because obviously with all the jobs that Mourinho has been linked to, he's not going to have the shortage of suitors. Meanwhile, are you going to have mm-hmm. a manager come in if you're Roma that's of the same caliber? Whether you know he's whether or not he's the manager he once was, he's I would say probably more capable than ninety percent of the managers out there, um, give or take. But and so, are you going to find a replacement that's going to improve? You know you know, take your squad to the next level as we currently are on course to do if we meet our objectives? I don't think so. So I think, um, you know, the, the front office should be feeling that pressure and really sweating all of these results. Um, so having said all that, I don't think they would ever even consider firing him in the first place. Yeah, I agree. And and D. Bush on the message words actually asked what our opinion was on the pro verse against Mourinho and do we feel he has to go? I, I don't think he has to go. I think he is working with what he has at this point he's used to and like most of these big managers right i mean they're used to working with these teams that are really stacked these days right probably yeah since his porto days he hasn't had a team at this level and that's in a, a league that's not as good and he won the champions league with that team so he did take them through europe um you know twice and, and back to back yeah and no toti no party asked does Mourinho deserve his exuberant wages compared to other coaches and i think with a manager like him it's you have to pay him, right? If you want to bring in a big name manager, you have to pay yeah. him. If Ancelotti was going to come through the door, he's not going to work pro bono just because he's a former Roma player, right? He's going to want wages too, and, and he's going to want a team behind him. Look at what he's worked with at Chelsea and Real Madrid as well. So I think all these managers, once they get to a certain level, are just used to working with a certain caliber team at a certain price. And I don't think you could bring in a Pep Guardiola at this point or any of those other big names the way Mourinho did. I think Mourinho was it kind of just felt like they were right for each other at the same time, but he was still going to get paid. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just part and parcel of the job. Who, who was that big name that recently came out and said, you know, one day I'm going to manage Roma. Was that? I think it was Ancelotti's like, yeah, assistant was that Ancel- said, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That, and I feel so, like that's been the dream for so long because we were never linked with a, a huge manager besides Ancelotti because the, the Roma connection and then we got Mourinho, but. Um, yeah. But he, he seems off 
for Brazil um, should he decide to leave Madrid or get the sack. Um, yeah. So, so you know, that, that'll remain a pipe dream. <laughs> yeah. So I think if Roma goes in a different direction, um, you know, you're, you're probably looking at a less polished coach, someone who's, I don't know, want to say on the Fonseca level or, or um, EDF, EDF, but like that, yeah. that, that kind <laughs> of coach, right. You're looking at maybe it does deserve. We want to leave England with Brighton where he's doing pretty well to come back to Italy. I don't know. Do you know, do do you have any other like Italiano stock has plummeted this year, in my opinion, you know, I don't know if there's any other Italian up and comers that maybe they would want to bring in, but it's, yeah. it's tough. And if you go foreign, you see Fonseca had his, his fits and his starts where he was good and he was not good. It's, it's, a, it's a tough, tough decision when you bring people in from the outside. Oh, I think if you bring somebody in from the outside, they have to be close to the caliber of a Mourinho. Fonseca, I enjoyed his spell more than most I think um and I don't even really want to get started on EDF era I know the the Champions League semi uh was you know took place during that but that that was not an era that I particularly enjoyed um and so but yeah I I think if you do go the foreign route though um you you do need more of an established name um I would have loved to see Luis Enrique come back and try it again uh, I don't, I don't know if that would ever be on the cards, but given that, that he's grown as a manager, I think that would be cool to see. Um, yeah, I mean, do you swing for the fences and try and tempt Tuchel? Uh, you know, he he really relishes the idea of just coaching and not really uh, playing maybe that face of the organization that Mourinho thrives in. And so, if you give him a project like Roma, where it's solely about what's going on on the pitch, getting this team to the Champions League, potentially qualifying for the Scudetto sometime down the road. Maybe that's something that's appealing to him. Um, or maybe, you know, he's he's accustomed, he's grown accustomed to managing big teams with big names. Yeah. And uh, that kind of rules out Roma at this point in time. But um, I, I think that's the type of manager that you're going to have to look at uh, should you go the foreign route. Yeah, good point. Um, definitely a name I, I forgot about. He's out of, out of a job. But uh, again, he's probably going to require a decent wage too. You're not going to get him for, right, uh, yeah. uh, cheap. Um, so speaking of other managers, we had an interesting question from Char47 on the message boards as we're talking about like this overachieving, underachieving kind of aspect to this Roma side. And he asked, could you please make a comparison between this squad and the one that finished second under Ranieri? Of course, Totti and De Rossi were on a different level. But today, for example, we have Dybala, who's also a step above the others. But in general, what are some of the differences between this team and that one? And what does this team need to achieve their goals for this season, a change in tactics, more rotation, or maybe both? So it, it's been a long time. That was the 09-10 season where Roma actually had the lead on Inter and Mourinho's Inter and uh, lost it um, against Sampdoria when Pazzini scored that big goal um, and just killed Roman dreams. We thought we were going to win a Scudetto this year, that year. So I'll just read off some of the names. I pulled up the roster. We had um, Doni, Julio Sergio, Bogdan Labat were, were our, our goalie rotation. You had Juan, Philippe Mexes, Marco Mota, John Arise, Max Tonetto, Berdiso, Cassetti as the, the fullbacks and the center backs. And you had players like Pizarro, today, De Rossi, Perota, uh, Brighi in the midfield. And then, of course, forwards like Totti, Vucinic, Giulio Baptista, Luca Toni came in that season and, and played a big part, Jeremy Menez. So, and then I'm also thinking about the league in general, too, Brandon, at that point. It's hard to say when you look at like overachieving, underachieving. 
Juve was still trying to recover from Calciopoli. They they were out of the top five. The top five in the league were Inter and Roma, 82 and 80 points. And it was Milan on 70, Samp on 67, went to the Champions League, and Palermo finished fifth on 65. So I think that kind of speaks to the, you know, the, the league being down a bit. Some of the other big sides like Juve, like Lazio, um, Adelanto wasn't the power they have been in the past five, six years. So that Roma was very good. I think that Roma probably is better on paper, especially because we had Totti De Rossi like prime years there. But what's right. your opinion? Well, let me qualify this by saying that 2009, 2010, I wasn't watching Roma the way that I am now just because of it being inaccessible and uh, what was I, 15 at the time. So my age made it prohibitive to uh, – look for other routes to watch but it was a lot of illegal <laughs> streams i was like recently yeah. graduated from college <laughs> yeah we had like one desktop at my parents house so like that's it's that's not gonna happen um but anyway yeah we the names that you read on paper um what stands out to me is just it, it's it's a more experienced squad than what we have now yeah. um and and youth is certainly a factor in the performances um, and the lack of consistency specifically. So I think on that alone, you know, you you have a team um, in 2009-10 that can push for the Scudetto, ultimately finish second. Whereas now we're still figuring out the kinks growing um, into our roles. And so we're in this spot where we're, we you know, one one match day we can end in third. And then the very next one we can end in fifth. Uh, behind Lazio on goal differential. So um, it's just a frustrating aspect of youth. But I think, uh, you know, minus legendary names like Dotti and De Rossi, the, the talent level is there on the squad to surpass the names that you mentioned. Yeah, I, I agree. So certainly an interesting comparison um, that was brought up by Char. In terms of this season to achieve their goals, I mean – win the majority of their matches and they're going to finish top four. That was the stated goal at the beginning of the season. Do they need a change in tactics? I don't know if they need a change in tactics. I don't think it's going to change much. Mourinho pretty much said he's, he's got to stick with the back three with the personnel he has. Uh, we saw a switch yeah. to the back four late in the match when they were like chasing games like they were on Tuesday. Um, I think we're going to see more rotation now that when Holland's healthy and you see Spinozola starting to get back into form, it opens things up. Karsdorp's back into the squad. Solbakken seems like he has more trust than um Shamoradov did he's also kind of taken um Zaniolo's place a bit in the squad so El Sharari's kind of rejuvenated so I think we will see a little more rotation uh going forward especially with the the two Europa League fixtures coming up in the next couple weeks so I think we will see rotation I think the team has a little more depth now than it had say two months ago prior to the World Cup break so hopefully that'll help yeah I don't think the tactics need and or are going to change uh with the personnel that we have available but i think as you were alluding to with what you were saying with rotation the most important thing is health um yeah. we're getting we're getting spinatola back after some injuries uh when all them after the lengthy injury obviously so as long as Roma can stay healthy for the stretch run, you have to like their chances against the majority of the teams that they go up against and then the other factor the big elephant in the room is just performance um if people start if players start performing to their capabilities will Roma will start blowing away teams i think you, you're starting to see what speed and so he's he's starting to show flashes of his euro yeah. form and pre-euro form and it's it's completely changing games for Roma. so 
if everybody starts pulling their weight, um, you know, find, finds form, I think they can really go on and tear from here. Yeah, I mean, if Spinazzola gets back to almost his Euro form, and I don't know if he's ever going to touch that form again because he was just so good for that that period of time, that short stint, um, you know, it, it becomes another world-class level type player. He was one of the top probably three left backs in the world at that point and based on performance for that six-month or so period. I don't know if he'll ever get to that, but he's an, certainly an above-replacement-level above player when he's at like 90% of that, which is what he's looking like recently. I mean, the goal he scored the other day was was very nice. Deft touch to bring down the ball. Good ball over the top for Mancini. Brought it down like a striker. My you know my buddy who was uh, works from home was texting me during the game. Of course he's a Lazio fan, so he's you know breaking my chops the whole game. And he goes, "Best striker is your left back right now." Like the the play he made was better than anything below dear Tammy or anybody's <laughs> done in recent weeks. Um, besides the 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 assist in the Salzburg uh, tie, the yeah the two assists two assists yeah um, two assists. But, oh man, what was I going to say? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, with with Spinazzola, the the discourse was hilarious on Twitter with so many people being like, "Oh man, like so and so would have missed that. Pellegrini would have missed that. Abraham would have missed <laughs> yeah. that." Um, so yeah, it, it was a great goal though, and um, man, I really, I really hope he can he can maintain some form because it's so fun to watch him. Just he is by so players. fun to watch when he's yeah. bursting down that flank. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he's just turned. He's still twenty nine, so he's not like really over it in terms of age. Yeah, but like like you see with with Bale, what is he thirty three retired? When you yeah. have all these injuries, they kind of just age your body so much more quickly than it should. Especially when you're a speedster like he is, and the way Bale. Yeah, was. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll take it as long as we can get it. If we could get it for the rest of the season into next, that that would be a huge boost for Roma. It solidifies left back. It kind of frees up Zalewski to play elsewhere if needed um for sure now you brought up a player in there and some of the memes that were going off on on twitter and everything <laughs> and that's uh lorenzo pellegrini a player i really i really like player you're not crazy about but we had a couple questions on him so i'll read out the bunch of them we can kind of go from there so we had flying jay on twitter uh he said what is lorenzo pellegrini the guy who well not world class was an upper tier player in Serie A last year or the guy who's at best starter for a mid-table club that we've seen basically the rest of his career uh, that was followed up by uh, Nomo Kedahon on, on Twitter. And he said, as you know, the other user said, why, in all caps, are Jalorosi people sim- simping over that guy? He steals set pieces <laughs> and ruins them. He shoots when he needs to pass. He passes when he needs to shoot. He can't dribble past dead pigeons. He rarely runs. He doesn't defend. <laughs> Raise this question for F's sake. Um, and we also had one of the message boards asking, uh, in a nicer way, pretty much, what's going on with Pellegrini's massive drop in form? Is it just that injury, sickness, something personal, et cetera? And that's from Viscount Julian. So what is what is your take on what he is? I mean, we've seen the best of him last season, and we've seen the lows of him at other times. Yeah, so I'm tempted to to tread carefully. I don't know that you can you can do so with this question, but... Um, it's tough. He's, he's a bit polarizing. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. No, I... I lean more uh, towards the negative camp, as you and all the listeners know, I'm sure. Um, but I, I think I think he's a player that's doing the best he can in a role with overwhelming expectations, um, and I think I think that's partially why he's divisive. I, I think some people are, you know, embrace the effort that he puts in, which is very apparent to everybody. 
um and Mourinho talks about it all the time and then there's like people like me who see him do like the back heel unnecessarily and it's like you're not you're not thoughty man like let's <laughs> <laughs> let's not let's get out of this um so I, I you know I, I think I think that's two sides of the coin there and um and it, it's I don't know you look at last season and you hope that it's the start of Pellegrini taking it to the next level and then you see how he's performing this season and he's been battling some injuries and so that's obviously a part of it but then you look at the entire body of work and last year was the outlier and so is this kind of just who he is maybe um I think he has you know what like three more months left of the season to to show that in large part his poor form was due to the injuries i think he is starting to get healthy now if i'm yeah i'm not mistaken so um and with one album coming in allowing for a little bit more rotation maybe he gets a little more rest than he otherwise would have um especially with the potentially heavy slate of games coming up if roma keep qualifying through the europa league so i don't know man i think you know, Marina, he's he's going to be the first name on the team sheet. Um, I think in large part it's warranted based on, um, you know, the effort that he puts in, the leadership that he displays. But at the same time, I'm still going to be cursing at my TV the next time he does a back heel that uh, doesn't come off. Yeah, I think I think in part a lot of it has to do with injury. I think he is someone who tries to play through those little niggling like muscle strains and tweaks and things like that. As the captain, I think he tries to, to be that role model, and he does seem to to grit his teeth a bit. Um, yeah, I think in part two, and and we were so excited to see him and DiBala and Tammy and Zaniolo all together. I think in some ways, having DiBala on the team takes away his importance, and I think it takes away some of his freedom to create that we saw so much last year as a the, the only trequartista in the team. And there's no doubt about DiBala is a better player. Uh, I, I think. You know, it'd be hard for anybody yeah. to, to say otherwise, right? Uh, even the biggest Pellegrini supporters <laughs> would have to acknowledge that Dybala is a world-class player. I mean, we see it. The 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 difference in what Roma achieves points-wise when he's on the pitch and when he's not is like almost a full point difference uh, in yeah. the standings. So I think that in part has hurt Pellegrini's production a bit this year. I don't know if maybe he, he's pressing a bit because of that. Um, it, it's really hard to say. I do think he showed last season he can be that player that's like, a guy who should be starting for anybody in Serie A at this point, um, if he's on the top of his game. And we've seen it. He gets starts for the national team. Not always in the in his same role because the national team plays a 4-3-3 and he kind of gets shoved out in the wing and things like that. But I do think he's, in last season, was performing as the best midfielder in Serie A last year. I, I really do, especially Italian midfielder, I'll say. Maybe because Milinkovic Savage and some other guys are really good too. But I think from like an Italian national team perspective, he's the best player in the midfield in Serie A and, and earned his way into the national team uh, after being snubbed for the Euro. So it's, I'm curious to see how he finishes the season. If he is getting healthy, can he find a way to, to coexist with the ball in a way that doesn't take away from either of their um, creative talents, but it, it, it's been a very tough season for him. And, and I'm sure he's because when I think you start to then internalize that pressure a bit, when you see that there's a lot of criticism because you're not playing well sure he's hard on himself too like most uh players are it's it's been tough for him yeah and you know that's 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 why Mourinho comes out in those press conferences and supports him in the way that he has uh 
he knows the expectations and the pressures that are on Pellegrini's shoulders and doing the best he can to alleviate that. Um, it's, and I don't think that he'll ever consider benching him um, by any means. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I do hope that him and Dybala figure it out. I do think that's, that's a large part of it. Um, you know, I, is is his first instinct now to defer to Dybala, whereas last year it was look up, look where Tammy's at, push the ball up the field and get, you know, make something happen. Yeah, probably to an extent. Um, but as you were saying, Dybala is a better player and Roma should be playing through him. Um, I think Dybala draws enough attention that Pellegrini can carve out a space for himself that he'll start to thrive um, playing off of Dybala, playing with Tammy, uh, you know, in conjunction with Tammy. It's just a matter of them figuring it out. And hopefully with more time together on the pitch, you know, Dybala was out, Pellegrini was out. So it's really been stop start for them. So hopefully they'll get in a bit of a groove and we'll start to see some chemistry develop. Yeah, that's really the hope. Hope hopefully that with the two of them playing together more, they get that chemistry. He starts to maybe find a goal or two and and get his feet back under him a little bit. Um, yeah, and, and because when if they're both on top of the game, it's all the better for a Roma roster that's pushing for top four. Um, one that we were asked quite a few questions on the boards about how we rate this roster. So I'll just read out a couple of them. Um, let's find them here. We have. No Toti, no party. In one spot, in what spot would you put our selection of players? What is the order of team quality based on player selection according to you guys? So where would our logical spot on the table be after the whole season? One would be overachieving, and one would we be underachieving? Um, and then we also had one from Bologna Toti. Is this roster compared to the other rosters pushing for fifth or sixth place team? You know, how does it rank? And is Marino getting as much as he can out of them? And a top four finish is an overachievement, or is this a top four quality roster and Marino's underachieving if they don't get top four? Um, acknowledging the inconsistencies and, and so forth was the rest of the, the question. So I, I do think this roster compared to the others is probably at least on par with like the Lazios and the Atalantas. And, um, yeah, that's... you know, with Juve having the point deduction that takes them out of the mix, if they're in the mix, I think they're probably a better roster overall. We, we've seen they actually have the second best record in the league without the point deduction. They're ahead of Inter and Milan also. Um, Milan yeah. defending champions, Inter probably a bit deeper. I would say Juve and Inter far and away have better squads. Um, and Milan, I think, also has a better squad, but I think they're lack of depth um, brings them a little bit closer to Roma compared to the other two teams. I think fully healthy Juve is probably the best team with, you know, you got Vlaovic, Pogba, Chiesa, Locatelli, all these guys. Um, so, but as you were saying, yeah, I, th- I think the, the roster is on par, probably, probably better. Probably than, better. Yeah. yeah. Over, uh, overall, well, like Dave Malinko well, yeah, and Savage like, and, yeah, I think, when you have yeah. Dybala, though, I mean, here's the thing. Lazio has uh, Immobile and Milinkovic, Savage, and then we have Dybala. I guess you can say that about levels out, depending on how you feel about Immobile. Um, but Atalanta doesn't have that superstar stud that yeah. can can change a game on their own. I know they can be just an overwhelming force um, as a team, but they, they don't have a Dybala 
to speak of. Um, so yeah, I mean, and that's playing out on the table, right? We're level on points uh, with Lazio and they're ahead on goal differential. So uh, as, as the old adage goes, the table doesn't lie. <laughs> um, I don't yeah. know if you've seen that video on Twitter of just the mashup of like 50 different managers saying uh, <laughs> the table doesn't lie, but I, you know, it's, it's ring true here in terms of the, the squad depth. And as you were saying, without the point deduction, Juve would be right up there as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you ask this before the season, most people had Napoli rated as like the sixth best team in the league, right. After they lost Insigne and uh, Koulibaly and Mertens and all these guys left. And everybody's like, Oh, you know, Napoli's lucky if they make Europa league. And now you look at them and they're, I guess, according to most people's expectations are overachieving. I mean, they're, they've been lights out. They've lost one match to Inter but, you know, nobody really knew Carvacelli prior to the season and his explosion in the league. You know, uh, Kim was coming from another league and not really that well known. I mean, credit to Spalletti. They've put together a nice squad and he's done really well with it. And he's kind of found a way to get the most out of him with a, a guy like Mario Rui playing quite a few games at left back. I mean, think about that. Um, and, and Juan Jesus gets starts at center back. So <laughs> I, I'll I, never... I'll yeah, never forget ahead. the I'll never forget the video of uh, Quilly Bali uh, pushing Mario Rui into position when Mbappe, I think it was Mbappe was about to torture yes, him. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> for the life of me, I don't get how he plays on a team uh, of, of Napoli's quality. Even when he was on Roma, I was like this guy's not very good, and he just because finds finds a way. If anything, FIFA career mode has taught me it's so hard to find a quality left back. So that 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 explains that. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, not, um, not not even that he's quality, but it's just like replacement. replacement level. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. To steal like a baseball term these days, he's like a replacement <laughs> level player, I guess. Yeah. Um, his war would not be very high for you baseball watchers out there, but I think if they finish top four, I think that was my expectation heading into the season. So I don't think that would be an overachievement. Um, I also don't, I don't want to say fifth or sixth would be a complete underachievement, but it would be disappointing. I think, um, especially considering the UVA situation, if the UVA situation gets reversed or something for some reason, then I'd be like, Ugh, you know, we couldn't beat out Lazio and Atalanta. That's a little bit of a, of, of an underachievement, I think in terms of our roster quality, especially having, when hauled them back for hopefully the last like 14, 15 matches and, and hopefully a pretty healthy roster. Um, but it's and, tough. Mourinho's in a tough spot, I think in some ways. Well, well, speaking of Mourinho, you know, we, we, in theory have the manager advantage um, yes. over our um, pundits mm-hmm. as well. And so I think if we do finish fifth or sixth, it will be an, a huge disappointment because it yeah. probably spells the end of Mourinho's time here. It spells the end of Dybala's time here um tammy maybe yeah uh, we had a question about that too like um nick bedell asked if we don't make top four what is the expectation on the group of the futures of Mourinho, dibala smalling players like that yeah i mean i i I think smalling would stay i yeah he's been here the last few years he's one of the top two three leaders on the squad I don't anticipate him leaving if Roma weren't to qualify for the Champions League. I think maybe it would force them to pay him what he wants. Um, but I don't I don't see him leaving. But yeah, as I was saying with the others, I think it might be the writing on the wall for them, um, which is unfortunate, especially with the ball having a low, low release clause and with a number of teams about to be in panic mode with their managerial um 
positions. Mourinho won't have a shortage of suitors either. So yeah, a lot is riding on <laughs> qualifying for that top four spot. Yeah, I, I and I think Dybala might depend on finishing top four. Even if Mourinho were to leave before top four, maybe he sticks around. But I think if a big club comes calling and you know they they offer up enough money, if, apparently the release clause is very low, so I don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but no top four makes me concerned about Dybala and Mourinho. Small, like we know, is out of contract. Maybe a Champions League team comes calling for him, whether Roma qualifies or not. Uh, he he could be gone. He could be back. It's it's really it's really a lot to play for. And when you think about it, um, this project, so to speak, um, this Friedkin project, really the first one under the Friedkins could be in a bit of jeopardy if they don't qualify for champions again. And I can't believe it's been like four seasons since you've been in the champions league. It's like, crazy. Uh, it's we've been so toiling in I, these, yeah. I hate watching these competitions. I hate it. We the were so spoiled league. for so long. <laughs> I know everybody I else know. was down really, I guess, but. Yeah, the this the joy that I felt watching Roma in the Champions League semis, like yeah. I was trying to watch him in the Europa League, man. Especially not yeah. the Conference League. It was cool to win it, obviously, but um, I, I'm so sick of watching these these tournaments. I want to see them play PSG. I, I don't care if Mbappe puts up five goals on them. Uh, obviously, we want them to win, but like just being able to see them play against those teams that they can't play on a weekend and week out basis yeah. um it's, it's just so much fun to watch sometimes um, yeah and and we survived them getting spanked by barcelona by bayern by man united right but it's still yeah, like yeah, we're still I, playing those teams and yeah, getting a crack at them yeah when i say i don't care if mbappe put up five it's really like i'm so numb to shit like that that it's like okay you know then they're done that but um you know you still get the gravitas of playing that champions league match yeah and uh we've seen him pull off wins against teams like byron and things it, the funny thing is yep. when um uh, when i started following the club in the mid-2000s it was like right after calciopoli so juve was not a power anymore uh, a few years later you know milan kind of fell apart then inter eventually fell apart so roma oh even when juve rebounded those milan clubs are down so roma was like almost always in the champions league outside of the few odd years they finished sixth or seventh they were like usually second place and, and, you know, breaking our hearts for finishing second, even though they were probably not really a second place team in most years in Serie A, but it was great to watch that. And then all of a sudden now this is kind of reality setting in like Rome was historically like fourth, fifth best type team, you know, because the Milan clubs and, the, and Juve is always going to be wealthier and usually have better players. So I guess kind of got duped early on with like those Copa Italias I got to see. And then a lot of champions like announced like a struggle every year. And this is, I guess more the reality for a club like Roma in in a league where you get four positions into the Champions League. So, hoping we can get back this year because I really do miss it. Yeah, and we were regularly qualifying for the Champions League when the league only had three spots. Yeah, uh, yes, and then we would lose a stupid play in play, playoff. Uh, like every still, Italian yeah, team I did. Know. Every Italian <laughs> team did, and you would always root for the Italian teams because you had to get the coefficient ups, and then Samp would blow it. I think Palermo yeah. one year blew, and they had Mikali. It was so disappointing. And then um, the one year they didn't have to do that, they go, they make the semis. I think like yeah. the next year, yeah, when they implemented, uh, they didn't have to do yeah, that. Yeah, because anymore. it was the year before they lost to Porto, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. right card, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and playing in competitions like the Europa League, that was always the sign that uh, you know, uh, 
regime was coming to its end and the yes. change was coming the firing was imminent um and now it's just something that we're regularly in so yeah and now you hope that we can make a deep run there and uh, hey man united's there this year um arsenal's there this year so there there could be some big matches for us later in the season it's got to get past real sociedad and maybe some others we'll see uh if we make it to the semis watch out we're winning the whole thing I have total faith in Mourinho in those situations. <laughs> Mourinho revenge against the United. Yeah. Although United is starting to turn uh, turn it around under Ten Hag. I, I have to say they've been playing really well. Um, yeah. I find myself watching Man United way more than I need to anymore. Um, I, I was following them just to see what Ronaldo was up to when he returned. And then I just, <laughs> and then I was tuning in for the drama. And then now I just kind of happen upon their games, but they clearly were destroying that squad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm a Ronaldo over Messi guy, but it's it was not working out. But I wanted to say before um, we wrapped up that my mind was blown when Mourinho came out and said, "Yeah, I told the players, um, you know, if we win, we make the Champions League, and uh, if we lose or draw, we we." we don't qualify and they lost <laughs> and <they> lost. <laughs> that is awful oh <laughs> uh, uh, and i guess now because Serie A is so tight it does put a little more stock in what we do in europa league because if you can go win it that's another that's a fifth champions league spot for italy um if you finish outside right. the top four so i just pulled up quickly the futures on DraftKings of where they rank everybody's chances of winning the europa league now that we're almost through to the round of 16 uh, United are the favorites at plus 225, Arsenal plus 300, Juve plus 800, Union Berlin plus 1100, Roma's fifth favorite at plus 1200, tied with Sevilla. Um, so they're considered one of the top five teams right now in the competition, according to the sports books, at least. Um, Juve, too, is going to be hungry there because that could be a, a backdoor for them to get back in the Champions League if UEFA doesn't come down with the punishment. Oof, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, and... yeah. So there, there could be that little extra motivation for them there. So that could be interesting. <laughs> they are winning that competition. <laughs> no, but yeah, with with the healthy Pogba back, that is uh that's gonna be tough sledding for sure. Yeah. All right. So we're starting to run out of time here. Uh we gotta run, but I just want to thank everybody who submitted those questions on Twitter and on the message boards. And if we didn't get to yours today, we still thank you for submitting. We had quite a few people respond. So we we love the engagement, we love all the great questions you guys ask, get us thinking and talking about Roma. So, Brandon, before we wrap, just a quick five minutes or so. Big match on Sunday at the Olympico, hosting Juventus, who, yes, they may be sitting down in seventh place on 35 points, but in reality, they'd be on 50 if uh, it weren't for that penalty. They'd be sitting pretty in second place. Coming off a 4-2 win against Torino in the the Turin Derby that they played right after Roma played. They actually trailed 1-0, trailed 2-1, and found a way to win 4-2. So what are you expecting from Roma against a Juve team that they have a very difficult time beating most of the time? Yeah, I think it depends on how uh, Mourinho's appeal goes. I think if he's on the touchline, um, able to do his thing, uh, you know, I I think Roma has a fighting chance. I think he just provides them with the psychological aspect that they really rally behind. I don't know. There's not a big enough sample size to know if his – assistant you know brings out that same you know emotion out of the out of the team so i think you you trust i mean you know that he's going to give the pregame speech and all that and it's really just 
what happens during the 90 minutes that he's not really a part of. But at the yeah, same time, he's setting the lineups, that, right? He's giving the yeah. pre-match speech. He's probably walkie-talking something into Tafoti at some point through, yeah. through like a sideline guy. He, he He's there, but he's not really there. But there's also the mind games aspect on the pitch, and that's more yeah. what I'm speaking of. But um, as we've seen time and time again, this team really tries to – uh, come out on the front foot following a disappointing performance. So you have to imagine they'll be doing the same here. They'll have a packed and rocking Olympico behind them that always uh, does wonders for their morale and their confidence. So I expect a strong start from them. I think the the number one storyline to look for is this going to be the Dybala revenge game or is it going to be mm. the Paul Pogba revenge game? Uh, you know, how he feels about Mourinho. Maybe it's good ah, that Mourinho, yes. maybe it's good that Mourinho's not on the touchline. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like the water boy when he he'll just visualize Mourinho's face on um uh Rui Patricio and just lash a shot out from 30 yards out. Yeah, it, it is uh you know, some some would say this is like gonna be like the terrorist ball game where both teams play defensive and neither wants to concede a goal because it's Allegri and Mourinho. Um two teams that don't score a whole lot. Um as as little as Juve scored, Roma scored fewer. Roma only 31 goals in 24 matches, conceding 21. Juve 19 conceded 40 scored. So these are two teams that don't don't give up a whole lot. Um, less than a goal a game against two offenses that don't score a whole lot. I mean, I was talking about it on my other podcast with with my buddies and the the, the team total like props for over a goal and a half scored by either team. They're both like plus two something, plus three something. So the books expect a very low scoring match and, and logic would say that. And then I did a little dig- digging and like Roma Juve matches. We think of like the one, one from earlier in the season and, and things like that. And then you look back and in their last 10 games, last year we had that four, three thriller for the wrong reasons at the Olympico that went Juve's way. Um, two seasons ago, Juve Roma at the Olympico two, two, there was a three, one up in uh, Turin late in the 2020 season when Roma won that match. That was kind of meaningless at the end of the season. Um, a 3-1 Copa match, Juve's way, a 2-1 Juve match. So it's not always so low scoring, which surprised me a bit because you I always think of the low scoring matches like the one we saw recently, and then you forget that there, there are some goals scored in these matches. You know what that means, though? 0-0. 0-0, yeah, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there are always tense affairs, and so that always tends to – lead to more low scoring results but at the same time once a goal or two does go in things really start to open up and both teams have the quality to mm-hmm. um make you pay if things start to open up especially Roma these days under Mourinho so um as we always say it's it's all dependent on who scores first do Roma yep. concede within the first five minutes yet again against U of A? Um, against or, a lot of big teams, really. Yeah, right? that's yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Or one of their top four rivals, as we've seen time and time again. So, really, if they can weather that first 15, 20 minutes, not concede, grow into the game, ideally, they would be coming out on the front foot. But I don't know that we can trust this team to do that. Um, so, if they're able to weather the storm, grow into the game, they always get more confident as the game grows on. I saw somebody lament on Twitter, why doesn't this team do anything until like the 60th minute? And so yeah, kinda... a lot of times they have to get like punched in the gut first too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the key is that it can't happen so early on that you're just yeah. demoralized the rest of the game. So 
if they give up a 30th minute goal, uh, that sucks, but I would expect them to equalize at some point um, in the match. If they concede in the first five minutes on something infuriating, might be a long night. But yeah. conversely, as we've seen, if they score first five, ten minutes, they usually uh, you know, can add another one at the very least, uh, write out the result for the win. Yeah, it, it's important they don't concede in the second minute like they did in the second match of the season against Juve when Vlaovic scored so early and just kind of took the wind out of their sails. They did find a way to equalize and the match finished 1-1. But yeah, I mean, if if they can score first at the Olympic on one of these matches against a team like Juve, who's so, you know, loathed by pretty much every fan base besides their own, like the, the crowd's going to be behind them. You know, there's probably going to be 55,000 people in the stands, whatever the, the capacity is for these days for Roma matches. So Scoring first would be so huge. I mean, I think back to those two Atalanta matches last year when they hit Atalanta first and didn't look back. Like we haven't yeah. seen a performance like that since since those Atalanta matches, really. Um, yeah. In terms of hit him first and hit him three times and and kill the match off against a big team. Um, we saw them come back against Inter and the San Siro was huge. We saw them come back and get a point against Milan. The San Siro was huge. They do respond when they get hit. Um, but like you said, if you get hit too early, sometimes it just kind of takes all the wind out of your sails from that Mourinho pre-match talk and everybody's kind of down and then you got to fight your way back just to get that leveler. And if you give up a second, it's really over. So, um, it'll be interesting to see. I I think like we say, every time they're going to play a top four side, got to make the first move. Don't sit back so much. Curious to see where the possession battle goes, because this is a Juve side that I think, uh, conceded about 60% possession of Torino the other day. Roma does a similar thing against most teams. So it's almost like you take <laughs> the ball, fashion. you take the ball. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> we rather counterattack. We don't want to hold the ball. So I'm curious to see how that happens. Um, you know, just looking at some of the the little stats they have on the, the match preview on, on Google. Roma have suffered their most Serie A defeats against Juve. Bianco Neri have won 85 league games against the Giallorossi, including three in the last four between the two sides. So it's things like that. The history has not gone Roma's way. It's... <laughs> I can't even imagine anybody else has like 60 wins against Roma, let alone 85. Yeah, so. 85 is such a brutal number to read out loud. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. <laughs> Considering the league's been like the team's been around for not even oh 100 years yet. So that's God, you know, yeah. that's a lot. And that's Serie yeah. A defeats, not even Copa. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess we'll, well, we'll end it on that brutal know, we'll, note, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll you know, <laughs> fingers crossed, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, we thank you for joining us. This is a Thursday recording because of the, the crazy schedule for Roma last week, but we will be back early next week to hopefully break down uh, a positive result against Juve. Uh, some of their rivals, you know, Lazio hosts or travels to Napoli tomorrow. Hopefully Napoli does us a favor. Uh, Milan's playing Fiorentina. Could be a tricky spot for them. So, Hopefully things go Roma's way and then they, they take care of business on Sunday and we'll be back hopefully on uh, probably Monday to record with Jimmy back. Although if Roma loses, I don't know, Brandon, he might be hiding again. So um, we'll leave it there. Any, any last words of wisdom for the listeners before this big match? Words of wisdom. Um, I'll go with, as the great Sam Jackson once said, hold on to your butts. <laughs> we'll leave it there guys. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>